Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. Uh, I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your tethered host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this week uh, is actually a special special episode. Um, we purposely decided not to advertise the episode that we were going to do uh, after we recorded last week's. And um, we are actually being joined by a third guest uh, on the show, so... I would like to allow our guest to introduce himself. What is up, everyone? This is uh, the Rev Attic. Thank you guys for having me a part of your show. Um, you know, it's an honor to be here with you guys, um, especially when we're talking about uh, a movie that just came out not too long ago. So hopefully you guys have watched it, and hopefully you guys appreciate the uh, the movie. If you guys haven't checked out the page, um, please check it out on Instagram. Is the underscore rev underscore addict. This week's actually episode is, is pretty different from the last ones that we've done, because this is going to be the first episode that we've done a theatrical release for. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The only other movie that we've done a review when it was brand new was Bird Box when it came out earlier this year, right? So the, the, this week we're talking about Jordan Peele's second movie, Us. And, uh, of course, everybody knows Jordan Peele. He was a guy who was on Mad TV. Uh, he did the Key and Peele uh, comedy sketch show. And famously, you know, in 2017, he released Get Out, which, you know, was his uh, horror directorial debut. And uh, ever since then, you know, uh, it was just he won the Oscar for best original screenplay for that, and this was his much anticipated follow-up. Is there any sensory in this, by the way, or am I am I able to let loose? No, mm, nah. We we we're, we're, we're this is pretty much a you know like a TVMA show. Like yeah, we cuss a lot. It's it's explicit. <laughs> there was an episode where Angel and I yelled "fuck you" at each other for like thirty seconds. So yeah. <laughs> we can let loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, am I am I mistaken, or was he also in uh, that movie uh, Keanu about the cat? Yeah, I think. Well, Keanu, Keanu was uh, Jordan Peele and uh, Keegan Michael Key. They were both. They were both in that. I don't know if he wrote it and directed it too. Let me. I have to check that. Yes, I know both of those movies. Yeah. Keanu? You never saw Keanu? No, I never saw Keanu. I never saw it, but everyone hyped it up. And... So uh, I, I I never saw it either. I, I just saw a fucking cat and that was it. I was done. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> so what we like doing is uh, we you know anyone that's listened to the show enough knows that we love talking about our experiences with movies because this is I mean yeah this is about movies but it's also about our interaction with these movies. So we're gonna let uh, the rev addict talk about. What his experience was watching this movie and how he, uh, what brought him to it. Yeah, so, uh, what do you, what made you want to watch Us? Oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, put me on the spot. It's alright. No, no, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, okay. So, I saw Get Out. Um, you know, I, I, I loved it. You know, it was a different, it was a different thing to watch. It was different, something new. Um, you know, just in, on top of that, I, I just like how, uh, you know, all the different scenery that he had, all the different, uh, 
you know, the music that was playing. Um, I was talking to my wife the other day that uh, he reminds me of a lot of a, uh, I guess, a new Stephen King, the way he does his horror movies. But I know, I know, so far it's been two two horror movies so far, so I know it's still kind of soon to uh, to say that. But from what I've seen, he reminds me of a new version with his own flair of Stephen King and the music of Quentin Tarantino. Um, just with the uh, overall how he plays the music in terms of his horror movie. So, um, so far I've been impressed. Um, I have to say, uh, in terms of this new movie, Us, um, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty good, pretty good to watch. Um, I actually enjoyed it a lot. My, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Um, you know, I just heard a movie called Us and I was like, okay, well, you know, hopefully there's some meaning behind it. Um, so watching it, you know, it it, it was surprised me because uh, when I was watching it in the movie theater, it had like the whole crowd interacting, the whole crowd was scared, and I like to watch horror movies a lot, so I don't get scared too often. But there was some scenes that had me biting my nails, and I was like, oh man, don't do that, like you know, just that's 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 very typical, don't do it. So it was cool to see the crowd react to it, just because I haven't seen uh, a crowd react to a scary movie in a while. Um, you know, usually you sit down and you watch, uh, but then again, I did go watch it at Hilltop in Richmond, so it is kind of ghetto over there. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I don't know if that had to do with it. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I can say so far with, with the movie that came out, you know, I'm pretty impressed of, uh, how it, how it turned out. Um, I still have a couple questions about it. I'm still a little confused about certain things. Um, but I think we should, uh, I'll probably get into that later on. Um, what what are your guys' personal experience in terms of the movie? How'd you guys feel about it? Maybe a couple of uh, when was it last year? Right, was when the trailer dropped. I remember wa- watching the trailer. I was like, "What the shit is this?" Angel, well, Angel was like, "Yo, did you see Jordan Peele's making another movie?" And me personally, I love Get Out too. Like, I thought it was a really well done horror it movie. Dropped on Christmas Day. Yeah, like of all days for it to drop, it was a fucking <laughs> like horror movie trailer, and it drops on Christmas Day. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember the the scene that stood out to me was the what I thought was a dude in a gas mask like on fire in a burning car and I'm like, "Well, this is different from Get Out." <laughs> so I was like, "Oh yeah, I can't wait to check it out." And then honestly, the I I've, I've seen it twice. One cuz one was, you know, a homie of mine and the second time was cuz Angel was like, "Damn, I don't have anyone to watch it with now." <laughs> so I was like, "Fine, quit being a bitch. I got you." So I watched it once uh, on Sunday, this past Sunday, and then Angel and I met up on Tuesday, watched it again, and I really, with a movie like Us, and I've used the term before on the show where we talk about scary parables, also known as scarables. I'm going to fucking put that on a t-shirt, we're going to sell it and make money, watch. <laughs> I feel like you probably took that from something. I did, I, told, I took it from Cracked. I always... Why the fuck would you put it on a t-shirt because and try to make money off of it? Because they're not making money off of it, so we should make money off of it. Fuck you. That's so unoriginal. <laughs> anyway, a movie like this, it's important to, I feel like it's important to do multiple watch-throughs. One, at least to like get like the intended fear and effect of it and appreciate the horror of it. And the second time, you definitely pick up on a lot of the themes. Like This movie specifically is probably dripping with a shit ton of like allegory. And anyone that's listened to the show before, whenever Definitely. we talked about horror movies, like we love allegorical horror movies. I enjoyed the experience watching. I enjoyed watching it with Angel. I guess my experience with this is, uh, I was late to get out, 
Um, I just I just wasn't really able to see it when it Fake originally fan. came out. Um, I was interested in it as soon as I saw the trailer. Um, Fake ass. I was one of the people that wasn't sure if it was a comedy <laughs> or a horror movie when I first saw the trailer to that movie. Um, I hate you. But once I saw it, I think one of the things that's really awesome about Jordan Peele is that he's a guy who really understands like the visual language of horror movies. A lot of his stuff that he's done so far, like there's a lot of iconography in it, right? Like he's good at putting together moments that are so recognizable. And I think the best example of that is the <clears throat> the scene in Get Out, you know, and the recurring motif of the hypnot like when people are getting hypnotized by stirring the the spoon inside mm-hmm. the teacup um and also just stuff like god what was the main character's name chris i believe so the main character who was in the movie the scene of him like just sitting there being hypnotized and having a tear fall out of his eye like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is iconic already and um or you know the the scene where the where the groundskeeper's running at him like full speed and yeah. it inspired fucking the, the get out challenge where people just run at each other full speed. Well, he's a I guy who understands... Like a fucking linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> he's a guy who understands moments, right? Like yeah. good moments in film. And uh, I think one of the things that's really important is also just the... <sighs> he's making movies with actors that don't get cast in these kinds of movies, right? Like, mm, it's right. very... It, like, right. like there's no way to talk about his movies without talking about the role of black actors in film. And I think the best example of that, and maybe just, like, one of the most disrespectful examples of that, is a movie like Scream 2, where it started with, uh, I think, was it Omar Epps and uh, Jada, Jada Pinkett? Pinkett? Yeah. We'll, yeah, it was, it was. We'll credit Omar Epps for now until <laughs> we can retcon it later. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, you know, they get killed before the opening credits go, right? Like, yeah. it, it was usually, you know, black actors in, in horror movies were nothing but serial killer or demon fodder, right? To the point that it was just a running joke. They would just kill him off, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, how many times being, like, how many comedians made the fucking tired-ass joke, huh, don't want to be a black guy in a horror, in a horror movie? <laughs> yeah, oh, and I... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I do appreciate, picking off of both of you guys, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but in Us, the first people to die, and I'm, I'm not being a racist, I'm not a racist kind of person, but we were white people, and I was juiced about it. Because <laughs> it was something different. You don't see yeah, the black yeah. person dying first. Instead, you see a white person. They died immediately, and they didn't even give them a j- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm a uh, uh, spoiler, by the way. Spoiler alert. No, we're spoiling uh, this movie. I mean, I hope we spoil understand. everything we watch. If they're li- um, if they're listening to a review of this movie, we're gonna spoil the yeah. ending. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But what I'm saying is, literally, you go from this family, like you know, getting all this intense scenes and uh, shoving her head against the um, the the table to this uh, family that's you know white family and immediately they get killed off not even a chance they didn't even get to look back next thing you know they're dead boom that's it they're gone so that that was that was something different that was pretty cool to see um, another thing too that uh, I I appreciate that he did was that he showed a lot of intensity and also um, I guess uh, no biting scenes just by the simplest things and what I mean by that is. Um, I know uh, not everybody is a parent out there, but from the beginning scene where they're at the uh, center, uh, the boardwalk, 
the moment that you see the dad start playing the whack-a-mole and the mom leave, you already, as a parent, are like, ah, oh, come on, don't leave your kid not, not without, like, watching her. <laughs> and she just starts walking off, and me personally, it gave me, like, more suspense because I'm like, oh, this little kid's by herself. Something's going to happen to her. I don't, I don't, I'm like, you know, I don't want to see that. But it's a movie that's, you know, based off of horror. So it, it, I like the fact that he was able to uh, tap into that. And then uh, you can obviously see that the guy was a, a big-time smoker. And he allowed you to see, like, how bad he was craving it to the point where it went to that, that scene, like you said, where the guy is just, you know, he, he's in a calm state, probably smoking a cigarette outside. And then next thing you know, you have this big old guy looking like a linebacker coming at you out of nowhere and about to hit you, smack you, and boom, you're scared. So that, that that's one thing I really appreciated that he did. Um, you know, he was able to tap into senses that we, you know, usually don't really pay attention to. Right. So, I mean, we could totally just get into the movie from here um, as, as, well. we, as we start. So the movie, like... A good chunk of it takes place at Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Mm. Now, for those you know who may not know, um, you know, we live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we've been to Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk a ton of times. We right? used to get drunk at Santa, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, go ahead to the commercial. <laughs> the fun California said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> the boardwalk, like. You know, it's an awesome place to go to. And I saw a lot of people, like, online, on Twitter, and, like, uh, just all over social media talking about how they would never want to go back to... Uh, or they, they would either never want to go back to the boardwalk or never would want to go visit it. Let me just say, go check out the boardwalk if you're ever in this area. It really is one of, like... Yeah, it's a unique, it's a unique amusement park, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can spend as much time as you want to on the beach. You can ride the rides that are there. Um, I think it's really awesome, and it, this is how you know Jordan Peele is a fan of horror movies. Like, there is a scene when they are walking down the boardwalk, where Adelaide's mother mentions that they're shooting a movie on the boardwalk. Now, this mm-hmm. is taking place in 1986. What movie do you think they're referring to? Lost Boys. I was about to say Back to the Future. No. <laughs> The Lost Boys was <laughs> Lost Boys was shot in in at you know at the boardwalk as well, mm-hmm. and um, except the difference is in that movie it was it was a town like it was a fictional town called Santa Carla, so it's <laughs> such a fucking bootleg <laughs> name. <laughs> but it's just like it's a place that's just got it's got style right, and if you've ever been there before, like I've been there for concerts and stuff too, mm-hmm. like it is really it's it is a beach bum town. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it's it is a, definitely a great place to visit. But um, so you know, we get kicked off. We kick off with them walking on the boardwalk. So it's Adelaide and her mother and her father. And like Miguel said, you know, immediately she gets separated from her parents and she starts walking. Ends up in this house of mirrors that, thank God, does not exist at Santa Cruz. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. Like, it's, I was gonna say that. Like, it's really cool. They do a lot of stuff. Like, they do this on location at Santa Cruz, and a lot of the what's it called the uh, the games and a lot of the stuff was actually there back in '86. So it's not like they had to go out and get anything. Like, a lot of the attractions there are still there to this day. Oh, yeah. But this was the only thing that was actually added. And if it actually was there, Jesus Christ, I would shit my pants. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it hasn't been. Like, I've been to Santa Cruz as recently as, like, last summer in this scene. And and I know this isn't... Uh, this isn't Adelaide as an adult yet, but okay, Lupita Nyong'o, right? Like she is 
for all intents and purposes, the star of this movie. The movie like lives and dies off of her. Yeah. And I think right. one of the things that needs to be appreciated is the way that she's shot in this movie. Like she is someone that you cannot take your eyes off of. And there is a director who does this, who I can directly compare Jordan Peele to in this sense. When I saw her in this movie and how she was shot and how she was just focused on and the camera would fixate on her every move, um, she reminded me of a Hitchcock girl in an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like Hitchcock famously would pick these blonde women, obviously, but he would pick these beautiful blonde women, put them in the movie, and the movie would just focus on them. Right, like, and they, and it's in this kind of stuff does get filtered through race, right? Like, it, it's it, it's nice to watch a movie where someone of color is portrayed in a way where they are like you know focused on as being beautiful, as opposed to you know in right. in other movies where they're where they're the sidekick, they're a peripheral character, mm-hmm. and there's not enough focus being placed on them. Without now, the creepy Hitchcockian sexual undertones as well. Yeah, exactly. Because Hitchcock was a fucking pervert. Oh yeah, he so. wanted to fuck all those women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, but in this beginning scene where Adelaide goes down into the House of Mirrors, it's our first introduction to one of the doppelgangers in this movie. Now, Jordan Peele, they asked him in an interview before this movie came out, um, where he got the idea for this movie, and and there's his, there's a couple sources that he got this from. Uh, one of them is a Twilight Zone episode called Mirror Image, which, interestingly, that we're talking Hitchcock. It's uh, The episode stars Vera Miles, who was the second Hitchcock girl in Psycho. Mm. Uh, you know, the first one is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, famously, who gets killed in the shower. Mm-hmm. But that she's only in 20 minutes of that movie. In fact, the rest of the movie actually focuses on Vera Miles, who was the star of this Twilight Zone episode of a woman who's at a train station. And uh, she, you know, has, sets her bag next to her. She gets up for a second, and people keep saying, weren't you already here before? And she goes back to where her bag is, and her bag disappears. She goes into a bathroom, and a bathroom attendant tells her, weren't you just in this bathroom? And she just, like, says, no, I haven't been here before. And the moment that she is opening... That in the moment that someone opens the bathroom door and she's like washing her face in the mirror, she looks through the mirror and she sees her exact double sitting where she was just sitting with her bag, right? So it's just, it, it, that is, and it's also super appropriate that next week, uh, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone series is going to premiere on CBS All Access, which I am subscribing to and I will be watching that entire series because no I love ads, that show. <laughs> Um, so, and the second thing that he got the idea for this movie from, um, he said growing up, you know, in the city, he would take the subway a lot as a kid. And he said that one of the things that he would picture, and he doesn't know why, it was just something that would just come into his head. When he'd be waiting for a train, he, uh, he would look on the other platform and he would always think that there was going to be one day or like he's just like, God, he's like, wouldn't it just be terrifying if I just looked on the other side of that platform and I saw someone that looked exactly like me mm-hmm. and they would look at me and they would give me like a really knowing, creepy smile. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, that just scared the shit out of me. The idea of just seeing someone that looks exactly identically 
like you without you even knowing that they even exist is just overall creepy, you yeah. know? Because the idea is that they're trying to replace you. Like that right. is it's not like it's not like there's gonna be two of you and you're both gonna coexist. Whoever this doppelganger is is going to replace you. <laughs> Good luck, asshole. I don't even wanna be me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool, I'll leave you all my bills. I don't give a damn. <laughs> we we have this scene where where little little Peter, little Lupita mm-hmm. where we have a little Adelaide walking through this hall of mirrors. Uh the power goes out. Now, this is important for later on in the movie. This is foreshadowing. This is something I didn't notice until my second uh, watch through. But we'll get through that in a little bit. And we have her walking through the mirrors trying to find the exit. The only light source she can find is the exit sign. Unfortunately, because she's in this hall of mirrors, no clue where to go, right? So, she's as she's like walking slowly, she walks by what she thinks is a mirror right and for you know for all intents and purposes to as far as adelaide cares that's her reflection and she's you know we get the back of the reflection and slowly this is honestly i saw a video like it was an edited video but it still creeped me out they did this thing where adelaide turns around but her reflection doesn't Mm-hmm. And I remember I saw a video of that where, you know, those old YouTube videos, like, proof that ghosts exist. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, a video of a little baby that turns, but the baby's reflection doesn't. And ever since then, that always freaked me out. And they do this, and they do it very well. And the best part is you don't see the doppelganger at this point. You know it's the doppelganger. You don't see her face. And then it, you know, smash cuts to present day. My wife will kill me for saying this. Okay, but our house has a lot of mirrors in it. Fuck yeah, it does. I'm looking at myself right now. Yeah. So it's like if you are laying down in the bedroom, like in our master bedroom, our hallway has like these sliding mirror doors that go that point right into my daughter's room where we normally record the show, right? Mm-hmm. In my daughter's room, she also has a closet that's those sliding mirror doors as well, right? My wife is, you know, the, um, before our, da- our daughter was born, the days that my wife would be off of work, she would be at home alone, right? Because mm-hmm. it was during the week and I would have to work those days. Uh, she mentions once, and I've never forgotten this, but she mentioned once when she was taking a nap that she, like, in her dream, she was laying down in the bed and mm-hmm. she was looking through the mirror in the hallway that she would see from the open door and she saw, like, an old man, like, sitting in... In what was the guest bed in this oh room? My God. The guest bed that's right behind you, right there. Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, there's there is something mirrors and reflections, and just like shit that you cannot explain. There's a lot of like, that well, is it's very primal that kind of from, fear. From what from what I've I've heard, you know, several stories in terms of uh, mirrors talking about how they're like captured souls and mirrors, or they're just. Uh, uh, a, a portal to a different dimension, um, you know, whether or not you believe it or not, which is, uh, you know, I personally don't believe it, but just that, that idea is just, is kind of crazy. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's the same you in a different dimension looking back at you, uh, not realizing that, you know, you guys are looking at each other from different dimensions and just overall, um, me personally, if I ever walked into a mirror and I'm going inside the bathroom, I'm not really paying attention about to brush my teeth. I grab a toothbrush and while I'm grabbing the toothbrush, my image is reflecting. It's not grabbing the toothbrush, but I can still see it in my peripheral vision. 
That would freak the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. Fuck, dude! <laughs> this episode is good. This is gonna be like the scariest episode I've ever done before. <laughs> I'm like, sweating. <laughs> you know what you look like right now? You look like that gif of Jordan Peele, like, sweating. Yeah, that's what I feel right now. You guys are hitting, like, you're, this episode is gonna be renamed Javi's Trigger episode. <laughs> like, oh, fucking hey, That sounds terrifying, dude. Uh, you know, that, that scene where... She she turns around and you know the little girl turns around too and smiles right back at her is is the scene where oh, almost God. everybody in the movie theater like either screamed or they, they jumped up or they just were scared because of the fact that you know they they thought it was mirror at first and next thing you know boom you just see this girl smiling right at you and then it just cuts off and it's a creepy smile yeah it is a creepy ass smile it's like you the know what joker's smile Rick you need smile, i think we know? need to appreciate the fact that this is something that movies will try to accomplish by putting a ton of CGI on an actor's face mm-hmm. or putting a ton of makeup on them to try to make them look terrifying, right? Yeah. Like, studios will spend large budgets trying to get something that looks scary. All you have to do is put it in the right context, mm-hmm. and it works. I think what's really impressive about this is that all the characters in this movie are playing two characters. Yeah. Like, all the actors yeah. are playing dual characters, and... It's just minor differences. All you have to do is change something ever so slightly, mm-hmm. and that's all it needs to do, right? Like, it's, it's, you know what it reminds me? Of? I think we talked about this before when we talked about uh, Rogue One and, like, when they tried to do the CGI Peter Cushing about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's uh-huh. an effect called the Uncanny Valley, right? Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it's mostly reserved for, like, if you ever see, like, those androids and stuff like that, where, um, where, like, they try very hard to emote in human faces. They look like human face, yeah. Where they try to look like human faces. And no matter what you do, there's something when you're looking at them that kind of makes your skin crawl. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we do have a primal, like, fear of something that's trying so desperately to look human, but it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the tethered in this movie really pull that off. Mm-hmm. They do enough, and Lupita Nyong'o does so much in just the way she walks and moves and talks yeah. that it's like, that is scary. Than, that's scarier than any fucking thing that they can put CGI on. To oh, me. God. Um, yeah, so it cuts away from that scene. You really never understand what happened to her. And now you're flash-forwarding to the future. Now, this is great. We because... get introduced to America's new favorite family, <laughs> which, okay... I love Winston Duke, you know, like I loved him in Black Panther as mm-hmm. M'Baku, and I'm sure everybody does. I think it's I, really. I, I didn't realize that was him at first, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah, if because I I don't know what it was. I I recently watched Black Panther, or I saw it last night again, um, and I think it just he looked a little younger in Black Panther, mm-hmm, um, yeah. even though the movies weren't that far apart. Um, and I didn't. I, I had seen the movie, and I was like, "Where do I know this guy from?" Yeah, you know, I didn't what he put on weight. Yeah, he yeah. he had like a dad bod going on yep. in this movie. Yep. No, I actually really laughed because uh, what's it called? Um, he he just didn't. He recently did an interview last week on uh, this on Seth with Seth Meyers, right? Mm-hmm. Like who has a late night talk show, 
And uh, where he talked about how, like, you know, he and Jordan talked about all the things that he could do to kind of tone down. Like, because Jordan Peele basically told him, don't be M'Baku because no one's going to believe that anyone's in danger if you're M'Baku. <laughs> so he said basically they had him put on weight, they had him wear the glasses, and the joke that Seth Meyers said, oh, so they basically made you look like Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think I, I like how um, I like how uh, they were able to different uh, make make the characters look different just off of him growing his beard and not wearing glasses to just shaving off the eyebrows and diff- different hairstyles and that that was pretty cool. I, I appreciate that about uh what what uh, Jordan did right there. That was pretty awesome. It's like Angel was saying, it plays on the little subtle differences in each actor, and you're just like that goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is more nothing is more terrifying. Then not just seeing and like there's something a little scary about seeing someone who's an exact copy of you. There's something even more scary about seeing someone who looks almost like you, but has made odd choices in terms of their appearance that you would never make. Mm-hmm. And, I can see that. And and what's it called? So he, I think the really interesting thing that they've done with him here is they've made him the opposite of Mbaku. In fact, he's kind of a weenie in this, and he's actually right. like a real like goofy dad like <laughs> he was he was angel like he was the type <laughs> of dad angel's gonna grow to be <laughs> he was just dabbing embarrassing his kids making <laughs> shitty dad jokes <laughs> fucking like making his wife feel bad so that they can <laughs> go to the beach <laughs> yeah <laughs> What was it, that? It reminded, me of, uh, it, it reminded me of, like, someone who was, like, born in the bad side of, like, uh, you know, Richmond or Oakland, and they go all the way to Brentwood or somewhere nice and grow <laughs> up and live their lives there, and they go back to Oakland, and, you know, they try to bring out a ghetto side of them, but it's like, come on, dude, I can't take you seriously. <laughs> Yeah. That, that part was kind of funny. Um, what, what, what would you guys say was uh, the scariest, I guess, character for you guys in, in in the movie? You know what? Actually, you know who actually really did scare me, and I and I have to give her a lot of props for this because she's she's a bit part in this, and she's not. Really, Zora's I mean, doppelganger. Huh? Was it Zora's doppelganger? Oh wow! No, she's terrifying she, too. Yeah, she was creepy. Um, I but I think the yeah. one that kind of stuck with me, and I think it's just. It's mostly just because right now she's kind of hot at the moment because oh, she's on Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss, right? There's the scene where um where where she's got like you know where she's got Adelaide like handcuffed. stuck handcuffed to the uh, to the bedpost, and she's like looking out the window, right? And I mm-hmm. and, and I know we need to kind of go back into this in order, um, but I really just have to point this out. And and the doppelganger for her husband is is out fighting with Gabe, right? Yeah. On the boat, and Gabe ends up like you know killing him, and you know, uh, and she looks out the window and she's like doing this exaggerated like silent movie crying mm-hmm. that immediately mm-hmm. morphs into yeah, this like terrifying yeah. like <laughs> you know what it reminds crazy. me of? It reminds me of the scene like um, in The Exorcist. Right after Damien like goes downstairs for a while, then he comes back up and he finds like Father Marin dead. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he does is like stare at Demon Reagan, and she's no longer in straps, and she's just sitting there like leaning against a bedpost, like mm-hmm. staring at him, doing nothing. And then the next thing you know, you just hear, 
Yeah. <laughs> like the, the most terrifying laughter. Uh-huh. And, that's, and that's kind of what that made me think about. So to me, it's like, you know, I mean, Lupita, Lupita is the best character as both the characters. But the scene that just like fucking terrified me was that. Yeah, that, that part was pretty crazy. It had me... I was like, the fuck, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> who was who are you most afraid of of all the tethered? Um the one that freaked me out the most, I would say, is uh Zora, uh her doppelganger. That something about the eyebrows being shaved and the yeah. way her hair was combed back, that that just freaked me out. And, and the way she was just like so sinister and like just, just waiting to kill someone. That 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 just that did it for me. I was like, yeah, that, that girl's creepy. Like what, keep that child away from me. What's crazy about it too is that so her, her you know her her the good version of her is an athlete, right? Like she mm-hmm. is a track. She's basically like a track, like a track. Yeah, athlete, she's like a track right? star. And um, so you see her run in the movie, and she is every bit as athletic and fast. What's really terrifying right. about her doppelganger is you just picture her being. Every bit is fast. So it's like someone that if you tried to run away from them, you know that they would just catch the fuck up to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, um, the scene that I, I really liked that started kind of the uh, the whole creepy tone um, was when they're all chilling outside and, you know, the, you know, the kid comes out, hey, there's a family in the front. Uh, and you just see him holding hands and, you know, you see this guy, he's trying to, the, the father trying to act uh, gay, trying to act tough and... Uh, you know, try to scare him off, and then towards the end, he's trying to threaten them with the bat, and the mom, uh, Adelaide, does a, uh, some kind of sign thing with her hands, and they just dip hella fast on the side. The kids just dip off to the woods. That whole part was kind of crazy because they, they start crawling like creatures. I was like, whoa, what the hell did I just see? And, yeah. like, it's coordinated, too. It's it, not, it is, yeah. It's not yeah, that. Exactly. It's well, like they planned it out. Like, they knew exactly how they were going to attack the house. It was fucking wild. Well, dude. it's funny because, like, okay, all of this stuff is in the twist at the end of the movie that I'm not going to spill just yet. <laughs> um, it's telegraphed very much through very a lot much, of the uh, things in the movie. And this is one of the first signs of, you know, of where we're going to go in the end. Because if you look outside and you see the family that's out there, outside their home, um, they are all holding hands, Mm -hmm. right? And where else did you see that? At the very beginning of the movie, right when you're doing the pan out shot on the television, they were showing commercials for the Hands Across America campaign. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, none of us were really around in the 1980s. We're all 90s babies, so... This is something that I've heard about and I've seen in pop culture. I didn't experience this. Mm-hmm. It looks corny as fuck. Like, Hella corny. Like yeah. that they really thought that, you know, that it, it's, it's just stinks of like Reagan era, like policies. Bullshit. Yeah, where it's just like, oh, you know, all you got to do is you know, hold hands and it's going to end world hunger. And it's just like, it just looks stinks of just one of those things where you're like, yeah. Fuck yeah. I, we're just way too... I think us as a generation, like, you know, two generations after that, we're just way too, like, cynical. cynical yeah. And I just never... Don't think that anything like that would work at all at this point in time. And But, interestingly enough, because that is the shirt that Adelaide was wearing under the Thriller shirt that she had, mm-hmm. it becomes, like, the symbol that all these tethered people use is the symbol of holding hands mm-hmm. as like a sign of an uprising, right? And even that's telegraphed too. In the back of their car, they had the little stick figure yep. family all holding hands. That's exactly how you see the family when they 
when, right before they attack the house, you know? Yeah. No, and that, it's, 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 it's that, that, that being said, do you guys think it's a, it's a foreshadow of like, oh, we're all holding hands, but we're going to just go on a full on attack and just kill everybody in the fucking United States. Just well, like how the we just started like that. Well, the funny thing is, I, I I actually really like the way that they take their time to reveal that. Mm-hmm. You don't know that, right? Like at this point, you right. just know that it's a family that looks exactly like them. This movie's trailers did a good job of not telling you anything. You just know it's gonna right. be scary. Yeah, and the funny thing about this is that I saw this in the trailer so many times, I had no idea this was gonna happen so quickly in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, "Holy shit!" We are like what, fifteen, twenty minutes into this movie, and we're already at this scene. Like that felt mm-hmm. like the end of a movie. Um, you know the the scene the, the of them. Yeah, like it felt yeah. like it felt like what the third act in most movies would be for them to be in the house confronting each other against a fireplace, mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, they're gonna confront each other first. God, like, what the fuck is gonna happen now? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, again, like, there's an awesome thing James Wan does it with the Conjuring movies and Insidious and all that stuff, and Jordan Peele apparently does that too. These movies are good at setting traps. Mm-hmm. And one of the first traps that they set in this movie is that um, God, what is the son's name? His real name? His real name, Jason. Yeah. Jason. So Jason, uh, there's a pantry right that he goes in that he kind of like plays in, mm-hmm. and the way that he kind of keeps himself from getting locked in the pantry is he puts like a little the toy car. Yeah. yeah, he puts a toy car right there uh, against the door, and it just like. You know, sits there about as well as it needs to sit there. This kid, they don't explain if anything is quote-unquote wrong with him. But there's something about him that, that, that like, you know, that that stands out, right? Like, he wears a mask at all times. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm curious to know what that means. That's, like, the one thing that I don't fully understand. But he's, like, you know, he, he seems to be the one that... I don't know, like, that kind of comes around to it very quickly. He's the classic Carol Ann and Poltergeist, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. almost a child that, like, all the supernatural stuff is gonna is gonna go through in some ways. Even though a lot of it is focused on Adelaide, he's the only other character that I feel gets that kind of focus as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. And he, so he's the first one to notice that this family is outside, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. all about to go to bed. And I, I got to say, as beautiful as this ha- vacation house is that they're all staying in, that house is terrifying. It is. Like, it's so got, fucking open, It's dude. got windows everywhere. Like, you just see, like, uh, Adelaide, like, closing a fuck ton of curtains there. Mm-hmm. It looks like it has an old television. Um you I don't know if they even have internet out there. Like you just probably you feel isolated just being around there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, again, it's inter- it's it's really awesome that they've chosen black actors to kind of play this middle class, you know, a, you know, American family with the two kids and all that kind of stuff, right? Like that kind of stuff is neat. But it's just yeah, they are fucking terrifying where they're at right now, and and they feel like they're lost. And even when they see the family that's outside. Like, you know, it's, it's, you talk to them and they don't say anything mm-hmm. and they don't like there is, it's something that you cannot reason with. Right. And he is, you know, and, and Gabe is very not afraid of it, but the entire family kind of understands that this is something that's way out of the ordinary. Adelaide calls the cops and they're so far away from civilization 
that it's going to take them at least 14 minutes to get there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that kind of stuff makes you feel tense. It makes you feel alone. Like, yeah. And I think you guys can speak to this more because you guys are actual parents. You actually care for a little human that you helped create. <laughs> like, you know, you can tell with Adelaide, her fear isn't, What's going to happen to her is what could happen with her parents. I mean, her parents with her kids. Like, you guys can... You guys probably understand that way more than I do. Because that entire scene, up until the Tethered get into the house, she does not let go of either of her kids. Oh, yeah. I mean... Um, <laughs> so, what did I actually want to... I want to touch base on, but it's kind of like skipping forward. Um... That being said, what you just said right now, in the movie, the doppelganger, right? Mm-hmm. Adelaide's doppelganger explains that the doppelgangers have no soul and that's what they lack, right? Mm-hmm. So that being said, it, I like the fact that in the movie, they explain that they have no soul. But yet towards the end of the movie, you find out what really happens and the way she protects her children it just pretty much denies all that that was just said. So that that was pretty awesome to see too. Um, and, and there's just I mean I mean I want to touch bases on the theories um, about this movie. And I mean I don't know if we, we could talk about it now or later on. But I mean one thing I did want to mention was that whole part where she mentioned that um, you know there's no soul that that's what they're lack and that's why they're copies. Um, but at the end of the day, she was trying. To, she was trying to protect their kids, and you 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 end up finding out that who really was a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's something that we we'll probably touch on a little bit in a little bit once we get like closer to the like time about the end of the movie. Let's just talk about it now. You me, I was think, it, let's I, do it. Yeah, because I was thinking about it, and and this is like one of those things where. We're gonna keep running into this now that we understand what the twist of the movie is. So for those, might as well spoil it now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to this, you better have watched this movie, and you know, just go fucking watch it because let me just give you a spoiler alert for the end of this review. We all thought this movie was good, oh, and yeah. we would all recommend that you watch it. So, the twist in this movie is that you find out at the end that Adelaide never came back. From the House of Mirrors. Yeah. She ends up going down there and Red, the doppelganger, ends up switching place with it ends up switching places with her. That is why after she comes back from the House of Mirrors, she cannot she talk. doesn't talk. Yeah. Because she like she didn't know how to say words and she basically has to learn how to talk. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, um, so she, you know, basically grows up and, and has, you know, she mentions to Elizabeth Moss's character on the beach that she has trouble talking. Mm-hmm. So obviously, right, like that's what it means. It also makes sense why Red sounds as fucking terrifying as she does she because her, her larynx was crushed. Yep, she got her, th- her throat crushed yeah. by... That's, 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 <laughs> stick with, he stuck with that too. Yeah. And it's something you don't think about until later, you know? Like, holy shit, that makes sense now. Or the fact that Adelaide doesn't kill any of the tethered. Like, I mean, like, outside of, like, I mean, she does, but she doesn't kill her kids. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. she she refuses to kill her kids. Yeah. And even when 
Jason's doppelganger Pluto dies. Like she is, she she's, is upset. Yeah, she's visibly upset. It. it also makes sense why Red doesn't it doesn't kill her children. Mm-hmm. Right, like even though she wants revenge, she's not going to be the one to exact that kind of revenge. Mm-mm. And I don't know. It's like you wonder how much these these doppelgangers really wanted to kill them because. You imagine that a family member was going to die early on, but they let these guys dangle on for a while. <laughs> I believe that the everyone that wasn't Adelaide or Red was ready to kill everyone else. That's true. But everyone had in their own mind how they wanted to kill him. Because Abraham took out, uh, fuck, Gabe, right? His mm-hmm. name's Gabe? Yeah. He took Gabe out in the boat to go throw him overboard into the into the lake, you know? So it was planned. Like, that's the other thing about it, is that the Tethered planned how they were going to confront everybody. Mm-hmm. They told, and this plays into a theory I'll tell you guys about in a little bit, but that part where, you know, like, Adelaide tells Zora, go put your shoes on, and then, you know, Red tells her to run, like, she's going to chase you. Like, that means evil Zora planned that shit. The fact that Jason and Pluto went to go play in the closet, they they knew that was going to happen. Like, it, it, it goes to show you how much that the families actually had planned, you know? Mm-hmm. Into what Miguel was saying, like, when how they were talking about the, the, the souls, right? I think that says a lot about nature versus nurture, right? Like, this belief that kids are born bad or kids are born evil versus being raised to be good. Like, for all intents and purposes, Adelaide is red. Adelaide sh- is a tethered. She should have no soul. Yet, exactly. she's still, like like you were saying, uh, like, she's she still... still lo- fell in love. Yeah, she, she fell still- in love, got pregnant, had kids. So, it felt like the point Jordan Peele was trying to make with this was, it like, your, your background doesn't have to define you you know your past doesn't have to define you and uh, that's pretty much what adelaide represented to me in this story you know i think there's lots of different ways that you can read this um i think that that that's one of them um i think another way that you can read this as well is just the difference you know like if you want to get more big with it there's a lot of divides in this country in terms of like um how do i say it like class Right. Yeah. And it's not just it's not just a racial thing, but racial components exist in this movie. They're not mm-hmm. as pronounced as Get Out. Right. Like it's it's like you see it in the way that the fact that who are they? Who is the other family that they're there that they see there? It is a probably the dad has the same job, but it's a middle class white family where their house is a lot bigger. Their house is a lot quote unquote nicer. It's more modern. You know, they mm. they seem like they have more material things, but the family is also very cold and distant from mm. each other as well. So it you know that that part of it that shows racial differences. It shows class differences within classes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of it, this movie's a lot more dense in terms of the types of message that it wants to go to, and I think that's why it's like I don't know if it's going to be as acclaimed as Get Out was because Get Out Get Out's message was. Not obvious, but it was a lot more. You this could pinpoint some, it. This one takes some unpacking. There's a yeah. lot of different messages going on at once. Well, 
one one message and and um I don't know if you guys agree with me on this one, but um uh, one message that I kind of got and I I guess this is for all those conspirators out there. Um, so I know they were talking about how you know in the beginning they were talking about how there's so many abandoned subway systems and that uh, you know the government uh, pretty much says that they're supposedly abandoned. Now, one thing that I got out of it, and I don't you know it, it's just we all have our own personal opinions about what we get out of a movie or a story. Uh, but I feel like he was kind of touching bases on how like you know we're we're controlled by the government right now and how like you know we live we live a nine to five job because we're we're trained or we're born uh to to learn that you know we have to work and make money in order for us to be living and to pay for bills and to be uh you know to get food in a way i feel like he was kind of doing that too where you know they say that th these copies are a way for them to control us and that's what they said in the movie that yep. um mm -hmm. you know so it, it was a way for the government to control them and it, and then you know you see the story of this girl who uh, somehow they were both able to realize that, you know, she was able to just walk out of that controlling state and, you know, do something about herself. And she takes over the, the Adelaide, Adelaide's normal life and then she makes it her own life. So I honestly took as it as if, you know, hey, it's time to wake up and do something about it. You yeah. know, you see you see a lot of things going on now in this world and, you know, we just watch it on TV and we don't really do anything about it because it's not affecting us at the moment. Uh, and then by the time that it does affect us, you know, it's it's by then it's too late. So I kind of took it as like, hey, you got, you know, this is my message to you guys to wake up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, themes of revolution in here as well. You know, um, since you guys are, are talking on talking on that, like that, what like kind of what I took away from the movie, and this was like, this is after a conversation with my friend. Uh, we were talking about this, right? This movie kind of touched on what both of y'all said. This there was a lot of class warfare going in this movie. This movie is very much talking about there's two types of people in this world. There's your haves and then there's your have-nots. And even if you have a little bit, you have something. But there are these have-nots that they rep they are your homeless people. They are your people who are addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. They are your people that are forgotten by society, your people that are left off on the side. And it's important for us to not see them as people because they stop being a problem like that. Yeah. The What we're afraid of these people is that one day we can become those people. Yep. All it takes is one bad day. One yep. day you lose your job. Mm -hmm. You know, one day you lose your family. Well, especially in a country now where most people in this country, they say, are just one or two missed paychecks away from poverty, right? That's right. That's like, right. Like, especially right now, it's a very huge fear, right, That you, of losing what we got. Right now, especially, we're like, I, this is what I got. This is me. This represents me, right? And it's easy for us to dehumanize your homeless, your your drug addicted, all these people on the outside of society when you don't have to think of them as people. But when you start thinking of them as people and you start putting your face to those bodies, i.e. the tethered, that's what frightens us is that because they become us. Mm -hmm. So why? So you have to kill them. 
you have to kill the doppelganger because it kills the idea that you can become that person. Yeah. And that's what frightens us. That's what frightened me about this movie, you know? It's, you know, it, it, it's kind of like saying that we are the monsters, but not in the typical way the movie, like, I Am Legend did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or Omega Man, or pick any other movie with that theme, right? Or any Twilight Zone episode, Or right? Twilight like, Zone, yeah. Like, I, I, that is one of my favorite shows of all time, and I, like, I watch it every year. A lot of, I thought it was funny that... You know, I was looking online and people were complaining about, like, oh, well, I don't want Twilight Zone to get political. Look, Twilight Zone has always been all of that kind of stuff that we talk about in horror, about, like, how, like, horror, like, relates to real life situations. Twilight Zone started that. And Mm -hmm. all of that stuff is from there, which is why I'm happy he's doing it. It is, like I said, this movie gets into a lot of deep themes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like how broad it is. Like, it, I think it's it's more... Get Out is important because it was a perspective that we needed to see. And it's a type of horror movie that really resonates with, with, with everyone, but specifically a subsection of the audience, right? Mm-hmm. This movie is probably relatable to more people. Only because it deals with stuff that we've what we've all had to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that's the difference. But I think the other thing is just like Get Out, it's like the fear of the other is always like that is a constant theme in both movies. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's these people that are normal, and then there's the abnormal, like created monster. Um, so my question to you guys is: Do you think a movie like that? Especially, I don't want to say especially in a political climate like right now, but when you have a, when, but I mean, yeah, like, you know, movies talk about their times. So in a, in a time like this, we're trying really hard to like, and I put this in huge ass air quotes, unite the people. Do you think this movie would hurt or help more with that type of, you know, like culturally wise? I don't think people are going to understand some of the deep meanings of it, especially people who, you know, who just don't have interest in it. Um, what about you, Miguel? Uh, I'm sorry. Can you uh, repeat that one more time? It, it kept cutting. <laughs> it sounded like you uh, sound like Neo from the Matrix when uh, you know they're trying to take him out of the system. <laughs> My bad. So what I was saying, or what what I was asking you guys is, in a, in given the political climate, right? Like, and I put in huge ass air quotes. In a time where we're trying to unite people, where we're trying to make people feel like we're all on the same side, a movie like Get Out or a movie like this one is very much an us versus them mentality. Do you think that hurts or helps more, like oh, uh, culture wise? You know, in terms, in terms of. And this is why I like the the us, you know, in terms of us, as in the people, it's almost like a statement towards poli- uh, poli- uh, uh, Just, politics, you know, saying that you can only push them so far, you can only do so much until we eventually stand together and say, you know what, fuck this, we will have nothing to lose at this point. So we're all going to stand together, and it's all about the power of the mob, right? It's all about the power of the people. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I find it as like a statement, you know, saying, hey, you know, 
and and then a lot of a lot of horror movies, a lot of different movies are you know hidden messages, you know hidden statements uh, that that people use, and you know um, in terms of uh, like politics as well. Like you know a lot of horror movies uh, wouldn't be made if it wasn't for politics. You look at the purge, you know something that can really happen in, in real life, you know just to try to cut down crime. But at the end of the day, who's the people that are still getting rich? obviously the politicians so i mean it gets really technical um it can i can i can say that it can hurt some um in terms of like people who are a little bit more weak uh weak-minded or just overall it, it can be a a damaged effect but in, in also in all reality as well it can also be a, a statement and a, a you know a motivational um action um so i i feel like it goes hand in hand and it goes both ways in terms of politics because like angel was saying it's one of those things where uh it's gonna get lost on a lot of people i don't think everyone's gonna pick up everything from this movie right like i'm pretty sure even the between the three of us like we might have an idea but we're not gonna pick up everything about this movie right exactly exactly so i think like you were saying, though, like there are some people that are just not ready for the type of message this movie's trying to put out. And in time, hopefully, like people get to see how good this movie is. Um, real quick, I'm going to pause the recording. Uh, Angel is helping Nancy out with something. Uh, you might hold on for a little bit. No, it's all good. I'm about to start eating right now. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Start munching. We'll let you know when we're back. We're just going to leave it uh, paused for now. All good. All good. So this movie has some action scenes and you know there's a lot of parts where there's people that aren't supposed to be action heroes getting into action and I want us to take into Miguel's favorite part of the movie <laughs> where the white devil <laughs> they got theirs now nah, but you know like it is important to talk about I think like like Miguel said it is that the fact that the is it the Wilsons? Is that their family? What's their last name? Give me a second here, and I will look it up on IMDb, and I'll give you an answer right now. In the meantime, uh, Tyler's, 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 the Tyler's, Are the Tyler's. Yep. yep, I believe so. Josh Tyler and Kitty Tyler. Yeah, so the yeah, Wilsons' friends, the and, Tyler's, and the kids are Becca and Lindsay. Oh God, they have the most generic names. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> They get dispatched so quickly, and I think that's something crazy, is that it doesn't even happen in the, like, the way it's filmed, it's filmed from the outside. And I'm right. Just, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, no, you, I just said right. Yeah, you know, like, it's, it's, it's different, that, and it's kind of like, they're just like a footnote in the movie. You know, and then definitely the way they die off, it happens like it's a footnote. And then, uh, you know, they do that funny part where Elizabeth Moss is trying to, like, she tells Ophelia, who I guess is Alexa. Oh, which is like, okay, so to me, that's one of two Handmaid's Tale, like, references to me. Because the first one is, obviously right. we're going to talk about it a little later, but everyone's wearing red jumpsuits in this. Mm -hmm. So to see Elizabeth Moss's, like, doppelganger dressed in red. Mm-hmm. 
it, there's no way you don't think Handmaid's Tale right now. Like, she won an Emmy for that. So, obviously, mm-hmm. like, that's, it is totally a reference to that. The other thing is the fact that, that the, uh, that the AI, like, the home device that they use is called Ophelia. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if you've read Handmaid's Tale or if you've watched the show. <laughs> fucking nerd. All the characters. <laughs> well, the character, the main character's name is Offred, right? And what that means is of Fred. And all of the women have those kinds of names. So you'll see of Kevin or of whatever, Ew. right? Yeah. Of like Kevin? Is, well, not like just randomly, like that is what, that is yeah. what, like they, they are, their names are taken away in this post, like. And it's know. who you belong to. Exactly. Yeah, so, so I, the fact that it was Ophelia, like I just, it, it That's just, what you thought it of. totally reminded me of that show. Uh, but it was like a funny scene because. <laughs> Ophelia, you, call the police. <laughs> Plane, <laughs> fuck the police by <laughs> NWA. <laughs> and then you just like watch the entire family, like they score the entire family dying to the Beach Boys and fuck the police. <laughs> I know. And you know what, like Miguel was saying, that it's something very interesting about those music choices. <laughs> like it's very Tarantino esque. Very Tarantino esque, and interestingly enough, all of those musicians are from California. Oh, yeah. shit, you're smart. I, I didn't come up with that. I've obviously read that somewhere, but I thought that was a really interesting thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like even when they asked him, they asked uh, Jordan Peele, they said, why would you use I Got Five on it like and feature it so prominently? He goes, well, he's like, the movie takes place in the Bay Area. He goes, and that's a classic Bay Area song. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a white way to make it look better, asshole. <laughs> 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 No, but um, yeah, that that that's crazy. I didn't I didn't even realize that. that I know. All, uh, it's pretty interesting. Pretty yeah, it, it and it is Tarantino. Tarantino makes deliberate song choices. Mm-hmm. The same with Jordan Peele. He is making very deliberate song choices. Yo, would you guys think of so after that, right? So the family dies, and then Adelaide comes up and starts knocking on the door. She sees I think his name's Josh Tim. I just know him from Tim and Eric. So. Tim was like answers the door, wearing the dad's kimono for some fucking reason, <laughs> and just like it looks like a gag in like a in like a zombie horror comedy. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it feels like they're trying to be funny, and I and a lot of the audience like had this uncomfortable laughter at that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What'd you guys think of the part where Adelaide gets pulled in by the twins? Cause that freaked me the fuck out. Oh no! So so it is just shocking. Like it really is shocking how fast this family gets killed. Mm-hmm. Like it's immediate. And and so this is the part of the movie where you find out for a fact that it's not just this family that's mm-hmm. following them. You don't know yet that like the scope of what's happened outside. But it, at least what I started thinking at this moment, I was like, oh, it's everyone in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Like that is what my mind was, especially like you know. If if this movie referenced Lost Boys, like Lost Boys, a lot of that was that Santa Carla was famous because a lot of people disappeared in that town. Mm-hmm. And there's like a scene at the beginning of Lost Boys where they drive by the Welcome to Santa Carla sign, and on the other side it says Murder Capital of the World. Oh, sure. That's kind of what I thought about when I like when I saw this. I thought that what they were saying was that Santa Cruz was the town where where all of this was going to be taking place in. So I didn't mm-hmm. understand the scope yet, but at least now you understand it's not just this family. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they dispose of them so quickly. <laughs> and, yeah, just to watch to watch uh, 
God, to watch Adelaide get pulled in by the twins is pretty scary. To watch just the twins like randomly in their rooms doing like cartwheels is. <laughs> I, I I like the um I actually like this those scenes just because uh, it showed how much of a badass uh, Zora was mm-hmm. uh, with the that was pretty awesome. She was a little, she was a little badass. I was like, God, this little girl's a savage. <laughs> yeah, which apparently I don't know which character she's playing, but apparently she's gonna be one of, uh, she's gonna be part of the cast in Lion King. Mm-hmm. So this, I think this was her introduction. I think she's the one who's being introduced in the in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's little Nala, <laughs> probably. <Maybe. I> don't <laughs> know. Yeah, but it's it, her her doppelganger was terrifying. The, the dual performance that she had to give was really good. I think the fact that the kids are so proactive in like fighting some of these things off is great. And the fact that they how quickly they accept it. Yeah. They accept that they gotta fight these people, you know? Like like Miguel was saying, Zora just jumped right in there. She had no problem beating the shit out of the the, the twins doppelgangers. You would think she hated the twins. <laughs> well, you know what? The twins kind of do come off as obnoxious in the beginning. Yeah, they're the bitches. Like... It's not like because it's not like they're really trying to be friends with her. Like so, after the Wilsons kill the doppelgangers of the fuck, what was their names? The white. <laughs> I need to stop referring to them as the ones, the Tylers. So after they kill the Tylers, they end up they end up stealing their shit, their car. I mean, <laughs> and then they start driving away. Which, by the way, I don't know what car they're driving. It's like a Range Rover or some shit. Mm-hmm. Bruh, that fucking gear shift on that car is an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's like the the dial that you turn. Yeah, it's the knob <laughs> one. I was like, that's a yeah. fucking terrible idea. That's horrible. I don't know why cars do that shit. <laughs> but that was actually really cool because that's when Evil Zora, I forget what her tethered name is, but Evil Zora attacks them. They end up, you know, Zora's driving. She ends up, like, uh, sending, you know, breaking hella hard, sending her off into the into the trees, right? And this goes back to what Angel Evil Zora talking. is Umbre. Umbre. So this goes back to what Angel was talking about is that Adelaide did not want to kill Umbre. No. And she looked fucked up, dude. The way her, like, it it was implying that her back was broken and her legs were all fucked up. And I was just like, ew. Yeah, and of course she's still, like, kind of inhumanly grinning at the same time. And because she wants to still, and she's, like, stabbing at Adelaide and shit. It was weird. It was creepy. It was really, it was really good. You, You could tell that although she knew that they were trying to kill them or, or overall fuck with them. Um, she still felt sympathy towards the whole fact that she was dying. And even though she knew it wasn't her daughter, I'm sure a part of her still felt that pain because she knew in reality that, that you know, it's it's another side of her daughter. Or it's another, it's a copy of her daughter. Well, that and Adelaide's a tethered. Like, mm-hmm. we, that, of course, like, she's going to be heartbroken to see other tethered people be injured well and by this point she still doesn't remember maybe because well i mean i'll talk about it a little bit. yeah i mean anyway but, no, I, got... I, I, I don't what i'm saying is i don't believe that's out of the range of possibility that she just mm-hmm. doesn't know but i also think it's very possible that maybe she did know oh I'm I'm ta- I'm a... i want to talk about that and i have a theory about that but before that i want to get through the climax right so they drive all the they drive the rest of the night. They finally get to the they finally get to uh, Santa Cruz. So it's Santa Cruz 
there's this crazy like I guess uh, everyone every, everyone's either dead or they're currently holding hands trying to make a big ass line. Like those are the mm-hmm. only people you see in Santa Cruz. And when they they're rounding a corner, they're driving on a street and they see their car, the Wilson see their car on fire. And then suddenly they they hear a thump or something at the bottom of their mm-hmm. car. And when they reverse, out comes Pluto. And what's creepy is he's snapping his fingers the way Jason was when Adelaide was trying to teach him to stay on beat. That I got five on it. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there just snapping, right? And then... Adelaide gets out of the car, and she's like, I'm going to go check. And then, I don't know what it is, but that's when Jason realizes it's a trap. Mm-hmm. And he tells everyone to get out of the car. And when Adelaide sees everyone gets out, she notices that there's a trail of gasoline leading from Jason to the truck. And he starts, he pulls out a match. He's ready to flick it on. And that's when Jason remembering what happened when they were in locked in the cupboard earlier when he uh knowing that pluto copies his movements ends up putting his hands up in a cross-like motion and Mm -hmm. walks right or he walks backwards pluto follows him and walks right into that fire and pretty much burns alive Mm -hmm. it's fucking crazy (laughs) and he obviously he obviously has done this before, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the one of the theories that I had read about this was was that the way he got those burns was because you know the kind of the lighter that uh, that, that Jason, that Jason would with. play with, you know, to um, to Pluto. Like he doesn't, he may have been using matches instead of a lighter, and instead of Jason like holding it up and stuff like that. Like maybe that means that like. That his doppelganger was like holding matches to his mouth or something, and that's how he burned itself. You don't know, right? Like, I mm-hmm. mean, literally anything could have happened. There's just like a million theories about everything. They could have <laughs> just thought someone being on fire was scary, yeah. you know, or they could have just thought him having a scary two faced looking face was, you know, enough to make him <laughs> different. <laughs> so during this time, uh, Red kidnaps. Jason and takes him back into the House of Mirrors and Adelaide finally has to face her fears and confront her tethered at this point she thinks still thinks she's uh Red's the tethered mm-hmm. tethered and she has to face her so that she can save her son so I love when she walks into the mirrors and the fucking owl comes out and she just smashes it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Now, and you know what? That 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 specific scene right there. So from the beginning, when you know it goes back to when she they find her again, she's quiet, and I, I kind of suspected there that that wasn't really her. What confirmed it for me is was when she goes back into the mirror house, and she knew exactly where to open the door at, where there was a white rabbit painted on the wall. She knew exactly where to open it. She knew exactly where to go down the stairs. She knew it almost like if it was the back of her hand. And at that moment, it made me realize, okay, she is not the original 
Adelaide. And then, and, and, I think and you're then, blowing Javi's mind right now because he's giving me like this shocked, stupid look on his face. Holy <laughs> shit! I never thought about that. <laughs> and it's crazy that the the rabbit was actually painted on the wall because it takes you to where there's a bunch of rabbits everywhere. The the rabbits that they ate. Now that part right there, that scene, that is my favorite scene right there because they. Show you a whole new version. I got five on it, which was fucking amazing. And on top of that, you're seeing how she's dancing as she was when she was in the ballet in front of everybody. And that part where she's dancing, it's like, it's creepy, but at the same time, it's like beautiful, you know? And it's like, it leads up to the fight, the major fight, good versus evil, evil versus good. That's the crazy thing about this movie. And that's one question I wanted to ask you guys. Who, Who at the end of it, is considered to be good and considered to be evil. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to what I was mentioning earlier, how this speaks a lot about nature versus nurture, right? right. Is that even though Adelaide tethered, you know, the, the tethered one, even though she was born, like you said, without a soul, and even though she has, she's supposed to just kind of be existing, right? She still learned how to speak. She still learned to have these attachments to people. She still learned to, you know, she fell in love. She became a good mother. You know, like, she was still able to do all these good things. And her parents, like, aside from her dad, like, not paying attention to her for those 15 minutes... For all in all, they're, like, good parents. Like, they immediately... They don't, they don't do what my parents would have done. Where if I stopped talking, they would be like, "Stop talking, that's stupid," and like hit me, you know. <laughs> like they actually took her to therapy so that she can learn to talk, right? Or so they can find out what. And they put her in dance because the therapist told her to find something so that she can express and tell her story. So it was right. one of those things that even though she may have been born without a soul. She still found those ways to connect with people and to care about people. So at the end of the day, I still think Adelaide is quote unquote the good one, right? But she had to learn to be the good one. But every once in a while, you see that evil side creep up, you know, when she killed the twin. But, yeah, when she killed, when but, she killed Red, like when, she started but, making those like grumbling like noises that the tethered would make, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's why, okay, I, yes, she's good because she learned into it. But she's also the most evil one because she took away the life of, of the original Adelaide. I agree with She that. took that life. She stripped her from that life. Yep. And she caused her to uh, live this life of horror, of suffering, of pain. Yeah. And and, she, and, and, and and Red obviously suffers. And when I say Red, I'm talking about Adelaide, who becomes real Adelaide. Red. Yeah, yeah. Like right. like she she mentions that her life is full of suffering. She mentions that when the person who was the surface dweller was the one that married her prince, that she she makes it very clear that even though Adelaide is in love with Gabe, she has no feelings towards Abraham, and he's just a means to an end for her. Mm-hmm. And that the only reason they're probably together is because hey. People with less privilege just go through the motions of life and they don't get to enjoy things like family vacations, right? Like, they, they, their job is to just 
is to make the same motions that their counterparts are making up there and and to kind of act like their shittier existence is anything close to what the people who are above ground are experiencing. Right. Now you see, my counter to that is why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> now, the other thing too is like is when you finally do go down into these corridors that they're in, it is terrifying down there. It is right. Like there, there is a fear. Like it, it's it's mentioned in the beginning, and it creeped me out when I read it. But it is true that you know that there is a lot of underground tunnels. There's a lot of abandoned subway stations in mm-hmm. New York City. That, you know, God, like, would you ever want to see it? And the movie that this really kind of made me think of, especially when you're seeing the corridors, like, down underground. Mm-hmm. Chud. Well, that. <laughs> that one is obvious, right? Yeah. Because it was one of the movies that was playing on the television. Another one was Jacob's Ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Jacob's Ladder from the 90s with Tim Robbins in it. Like, it takes place in this 70s version of New York. But it's in nothing but these old industrial factory-looking buildings that just look like they're barely functional, right? Like that's what this like. This feels like it should be like it like it should be the corridor in a subway station. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, recently I was in Vancouver and there's a thing called the SkyTrain, which ironically most of it is underground, like a subway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the station that I was most in. When I was down there, it was an underground station, mm-hmm. and I won't lie, the corridor kind of reminds me of the one in this movie. <laughs> oh, good thing you did not watch this movie, then go to Vancouver. <laughs> or like, um, also like, I think in in France, right? Or in yeah, France they had those uh, underground tombs. Yep. And, yeah, exactly. That's that's which, fucking crazy. Which that's, people that's could like legit shit. just get lost in forever. Like, right? You get and lost in catacombs. Like it's over. Man, thanks, France. Good thing I'm never going there. <laughs> Fuck, dude, that's terrifying to think about. But, um, you know, like, uh, going back to what Miguel was talking about. Ah! <laughs> His headphone fell out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for that manly ass scream. <laughs> Anyway, back to what Miguel was talking about with the fight, right? So they have this they have this intense ass fight, which is definitely very much a choreographed dance. Oh yeah, because they're and, and I think that's where you get to see the individuality, right? And that that's kind of the major difference uh, between Red and Adelaide is that while one is kind of like learning to become human, the other one is like naturally able to pick this stuff up who are you referring to i'm talking about technically red because to me Mm -hmm. i think it's very obvious that red still talks and acts like that little girl that got lost in the house of mirrors there's something very childlike about her she can't fully string together a lot of sentences Mm -hmm. a lot of the movement a lot of what she does is informed by whatever adelaide knew in 1986 Mm-hmm. Right, this movie will unfortunately ha- it came out right after leaving Neverland, right? Yeah. Uh, the documentary, so the Michael Jackson thriller references are a little. Eh, it's it's not 
it's not timed very well. I'll say that it ain't it, Chief. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 definitely you know it, it informs Red's character. Mm. She's very clearly doing a Michael Jackson routine, like as she's like dancing away from Adelaide, who's who's coming to attack her. I mean, yeah, I'm not denying that. But what I was referring to is just like the the scene that uh, Miguel was talking about, where they're where they're uh, where they're fighting, and how she's dancing around her, and it's inner intercut with both of them dancing and stuff like that, and you see that there's a point where Adelaide is able to do the routine no problem, right? Because she's upstairs or she's up on the above ground. And there's a point where Red is trying, and she's actually still able to do a lot of the same dance, you know? And, you know, like, it's weird that they both have both, they both have these different upbringings, these different experiences, but can still have the same talents. Yeah, I mean, still like, use you, them to the same when you effect. see that scene, that montage of like Adelaide dancing at the dance school, and then simultaneously cut with underground Adelaide like dancing for all the tethered people. Like her, her motions are fluid, mm-hmm. just like Adelaide's are. So that that is a moment where that's another moment where it like telegraphs to you, she was the right, she was the real one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 was uh that scene was pretty intense and it it was pretty awesome. Um, I I I I don't know why, but I, I really liked the whole uh, new take to five on it though. That was pretty cool. <laughs> the sy- like the symphony version of it, the orchestra. Yeah, that yeah. shit was crazy. And I and I originally just thought it was like a song that they used for the trailer. I didn't realize it was going to be featured so heavily in the movie itself. Mm, right. So that was pretty interesting. I know I've read a lot of people online that are just like terrified by I got five on it now, <laughs> and they'll never listen to it the same way. So here's my theory on the movie and with Adelaide. So Adelaide tethered Adelaide. I believe. Like, especially now that Miguel pointed that out, that she knew exactly where to go, that Adelaide did remember she was a tethered the entire time. And that's that, what I, that's what, that's how I read it, yeah. And I read it yeah. as when she was, t- and you know, she admits it. And I think that the tethered, because they have that weird connection where they have to f- copy the same mm-hmm. The, you know, they, they wear the same clothes and they had to copy the same movement. So they're aware of what the real versions of them are doing, right? So when she says, it feels like I have this little girl that's been following me my entire life. It's not that she feels it. It's that she knows it's happening. Yeah. So I think she knew. She connected to the... Yeah, like I think she was connected to Red, and she knew the entire time that Red was planning something. She just didn't know what. Mm-hmm. In another, oh, scene... and, and I think. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was oh, gonna say like. Um... <laughs> go ahead. You go ahead, dude. <laughs> no, I was gonna say that if you you know when you watch the movie, you, you can tell that she knows because she's so willing to cooperate with what red is asking her to do and 
she's it's not like someone in a situation that's like you know they they think they're gonna die you know they're they're gonna fight for their lives obviously whereas she was so simple to be like hey listen to what she's saying you know it's okay don't worry just just do what she's saying and listen to me and uh, and follow what i'm saying and, and to the point where where she tells her daughter go get your shoes yeah like immediately immediately she knew like like how would someone just automatically say hey you know there's family here go get your shoes you know yeah you you might do it to like get ready to escape but it wouldn't be your first intentions or first thoughts to say that to your child she never she never told jason to go get his shoes she held jason the whole time if anything she said she she even told jason go show pluto your trick knowing like that's why like i feel like she knew she she had an idea what the plan was so she prepared her kids to be able to survive you know to make it out of those situations so you know plus like you said she was you know she knew the entire time how to get down there you know like she was able to like and you know like angel pointed out like she would make the growling noises and just like Deep down, I really believe that Adelaide what knew what was going to happen. She had an idea what was going to happen. Well, also, none of the other tethered uh, people wanted to kill her outside mm-hmm. of Red. Do you remember when they were in the Tyler's house and none of the Tyler's like actually tried to kill her? Because they all thought she was Red, you think? Or because they knew she was tethered? Probably because they knew she was tethered. Because <sighs> specifically, Elizabeth Moss is the doppelganger mm-hmm. is the one who has the best opportunity to just offer at that moment with the scissors. Mm-hmm. And she wants to do it. But she doesn't. And she doesn't do it. And she just smiles and just... Because she knew that that was supposed to be Red that did it, right? What? What one one thing that like uh, confirms it to me that she knew some shit was gonna go down, and we haven't talked about it yet. Um, and it's actually a very strong point in the movie that I want to say a lot of people surpass when they see that that old white guy and then the young white guy in the beginning that has eleven uh, eleven. Oh, the Jeremiah, oh, the Jeremiah 11, eleven eleven. Yeah. Which, which, if people don't know, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hurt into them. So that, that I feel like when she saw towards the, when they're going to Santa Cruz, just pretty much confirmed it to her. And it was kind of like a message towards, you know, I feel like Red intentionally put that out there, knowing that, you know, Adelaine was was going to come over to Santa Cruz and say, hey, I know you're on your way. I got shit coming for you. I hope you're ready. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That did come up a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. That Was that Old Testament or New Testament Bible verse? That's Old Testament, right? Jeremiah? Yeah. Book of Jeremiah I'm sounds like new. I'm not sure. I think it's, it sounds it's like new. If it's Old Testament, Old Testament guy was a dick. <laughs> like if he was talking about bringing evil to the world, I think that's Old Testament God. I love me some Old Testament God. He was fucking striking people <laughs> down, turning people into pillars of salt. Yeah, that that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty strong point that they put in the movie, and I felt like it connected a lot of it. And actually, like, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, oh crap, that was like the the you know that was. The warning, I guess, that mm-hmm. was the confirmation saying, 
hey, I know what you did to me, and I'm coming back for you. I want to know Old more. Testament. That's Old Testament, right? I want to know more about that guy, the guy that had the Jeremiah 11, 11 uh, sign, because it, he was holding that sign since the 80s. Right. So that makes you wonder, was he involved? Did he know about the tether? Did he know what was going on? Which, I, I don't know. Like, me and Angel and I were talking about that after we watched the movie. We kind of like the fact that you don't know much about the tethered's origin. You just know that they were created by the government and abandoned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The, this movie has so much to unpack. But I think with the time of night and how much we've talked about it, the only question we have left is, do we like this movie? So, Miguel, you know, being our guest... Do you like this movie? And if you do or do not, why? Um, I gotta say, I, I like this movie a lot. Now, I have to watch it again to be able for me to say that I love this movie. Would I buy it if it came out on Blu-ray? It, so so what, I, what I like to do for my, uh, my movie reviews is... Um, Instead of rating it at 9 out of 10, I give it a movie worthy. And what I mean by that is um, if it's a really good movie, I call it bookshelf. Now, what that means is when you read a good book and you and you buy it, or you know, overall, if you read a good book, you know, you're going to want to buy it. You want, you're going to want to keep it. You're going you're gonna to want to cherish it because it's a memory that it left imprinted in your mind. Right. So you want to put it in a bookshelf because in your bookshelf, that's where you have all your great books. Now, for me, movies, when I say the movie is bookshelf-worthy, is because it was that good that I feel that it's enough worthiness for me to go into the store, buy it, have it on Blu-ray, have it on DVD, so that way I can keep it with me at all times and keep it for however long I can have it for, because it was that great to honor that movie that I want to buy the movie and bookshelf it. In terms of this movie... The way I'm feeling towards it, the way the action, the suspense, the 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 comedy tied in perfectly with the suspense, the different scenery, um, the acting, overall everything with the film, I I loved it. I, you know, I loved everything about the movie. I, it's something that I wouldn't mind watching yet again, just because it was a great movie. Um, so, you know, I I would love to watch it again, so that way I can say that it's bookshelf worthy. Um, but overall, yes, I did like this movie. I thought it was great. Um, I hope to see more of Jordan, which, you know, obviously I'm sure we will. Um, there was talks, uh, not too long ago, or I saw on TV where they interviewed him and, uh, they were asking him whether or not they're gonna, whether or not Get Out and Us had a connection, um, and whether or not it was in the same timeline. And Jordan said that I won't agree to it and i won't disagree to it mm -hmm. and from from that him saying that it's you know it, it just gives him more expectations for the next movie and hopefully see some kind of connection or hopefully see you know some kind of movie where it might tie overall this big idea about something that has to do with you know doppelgangers tether and also trying to control people's mind and trying to replace their lives with the younger version or some crazy, you know, crazy idea. Man, imagine how fucked it would be if you're Chris, you survive Get Out, only for your fucking clone to try to kill you, like, two weeks <laughs> later. 
<laughs> I want to see that movie now. I want to see a series of Chris just surviving all these horror movie tropes. Oh, shit. What about you, Angel? Do you like this movie? I think it's pretty obvious that I like this movie a lot. Um, I have to say that um, it is... Get Out, again, is still going to be his best movie no matter what. It was a strong debut for him. It just had an awesome message. It's an Oscar winner. What are you going to say, right? Mm-hmm. This movie is 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 just, it's almost at that level. I don't know if it's as good. You know, I'll say that much. I think it's pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not disappointed that this is the first movie of the year 2019 that I have watched in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely awesome. I cannot wait to see what he's going to do next. And I don't have to wait that long because Twilight Zone, again, debuts next week. Um, I he Jordan Peele is one of those guys where I want to see every story he has to tell now. Um, I already did before when I first saw Get Out, but now that I've seen him just hit it out of the park just two times in a row, he is going to be that new director that I just gonna, I'm going to follow it every project that he works on mm-hmm. so that I can see what he's doing next. And very much so, you know, we talk about it with modern horror movies. Like, modern horror movies are becoming the most progressive of all movie genres because, you know, you watch something like The Witch, The Babadook, and, and they're tackling very deep issues in the context of horror movies. It follows, right? Like, modern horror movies are hitting very deep themes and their casts are more diverse than they've ever been. You know, like, again, Hollywood has tried to force a lot of diversity in a lot of different areas. I think horror is the one genre where they're showing everybody else how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, pretty much. And, I, again, strong directors like Jordan Peele are going to be the people who keep leading us in this huge phase of horror. God, how awesome does it feel after we've watched an entire... the the the, the 2000s from 2000 to 2010, remember how, like, torture porn was, like, the... Torture porn and shitty remakes was what defined horror in that decade. Mm. Like, we are very far away from that. And I am very glad that we've arrived where we're at now where all these awesome original stories are being told. Well, wait, I'm sorry, uh, Miguel, were you trying to say something earlier? Um, oh, I, I was just trying to say that it's kind of crazy how, uh, you know, Jordan goes from, uh, comedy movies or just overall comedic, um, to the quite, to the complete opposite, you know, horror suspense. And he's able to do such an amazing job with it that it's, you know, it's pretty, it just shows how talented this guy is. Yeah. No, and it's, it, it, it's awesome too. Cause like, I feel like more directors are starting to get that. Like, when I saw Halloween with the David Gordon Green Halloween movie, I think it reminded me a lot of Get Out in the fact that they blended so much comedy in with the scares in that movie. And, you know, like, the thing about about these funny guys making these horror movies or Mm -hmm. having a hand in Mm -hmm. horror movies, what what I really appreciate about it is it makes the... It makes the comedy... I mean, it makes the comedy. It makes the horror... It makes the interaction, it makes the people feel a little bit more organic. Well, yeah, because this is the thing that you have to remember about humor and horror movies. Horror movies are meant to keep you in the most tense, you know, state of mind possible. Mm -hmm. What's awesome about jokes in a horror movie is that it lets you decompress some of the tension. 
and then it'll it'll bring the tension back up again. People know your sphincter can only be so tight nowadays, <laughs> and they need you to laugh so that it loosens up a little bit before the next time you clench super hard. And you can't see you can't see it, Miguel, but I'm like tightening my hand sphincter right now. <laughs> That's that's a uh, that's a actually one of the strong points when I when I wrote the review on uh, on us on my uh, the, the Rev Addy page. Uh, that's one of the points that I actually uh, touched on was that the fact that he puts comedy. You know, there's scenes where it's funny, and then like literally right after transitions so smoothly into a suspense or horror scene, and like you know, and it's cool because. The person that's watching the movie, they're laughing, and then next thing you know, you get hit with this horror scene. You're like, "Oh shit, I didn't see that coming! What the mm. fuck? That's crazy!" Like the part where they they're trying to break into the house, and Red picks up the hide a key, and then you, this should be freaking all of us out because we're like, "Holy shit!" She knew where the key was, and then Gabe goes, "Hide a key? What kind of white shit is that?" <laughs> It was definitely, I agree with you guys. This was a very great, I mean, it was a funny movie. It was a scary movie. It was a, it was everything you want in a Jordan Peele horror movie. And cause we're starting to learn what we want from this guy. Yeah. And he's a really good storyteller. He's a, he's a, he's, and the cool part about him is he's learning from all these other filmmakers. And he's like, He's creating terrifying stories that, like, to me, like, Angel was saying, torture porn doesn't scare me. You know, I'm used to that. Gore doesn't scare me as much anymore. But it's these type of movies where I feel tense and eerie and it plays on those, like, primal fears we have. That shit terrifies He's me. also hitting a wide audience. Oh, totally. Like, the, totally. the widest audience, wide <laughs> <laughs> the widest audience that you can imagine because you know typically if you're a person of color watching horror movies like i said it is a gag mm-hmm. that they die immediately you think oh well, well you know this is what i would do in this situation it is so accessible for a much broader audience to be able to feel like the you know like all the horror in this movie and i think where he's where jordan peele's really winning is that he's appealing to everybody yeah so definitely, uh, I love. I, well, I'm not gonna go as far to say as I love this movie. It's definitely. I really like it. I want to say I like it more than Get Out. I think, like Angel said, it's just a lot more accessible in that sense. Um, but yeah, this is a really good movie. If anyone is listening to this and hasn't watched it yet, hey, we're spoiled s- it for you. Yeah, way to go, dumbass. <laughs> B. Seriously, go out. I, I recommend what Miguel was saying. This is definitely a fucking bookshelfing worthy, bookshelf worthy movie. Like, own it, rewatch it, dissect it. There's a lot going on in this movie. And it definitely, like, you can probably watch this a few times and take away something new each time. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'd like to thank uh, you guys for joining us for this episode again. Um, we really want to continue to appreciate everyone who's interacting with us on the Instagram page uh, and on social media. 
I want to give a huge shout out and a huge thanks to friend of the show, Miguel Mendez, also known as the Rev Addict. Please give him a follow on the IG, on the, his Instagram page being the underscore Rev underscore Addict, the Rev Addict. If you want to get some really cool movie reviews, really like you know he he touches on everything. He touches on horror movies, he touches on superhero movies, action movies, Oscar movies, comedies, anything you could possibly like. If you want to hear some a really cool no bullshit review on this movie, please hit up our homies IG page. Anything you anything you're reviewing right now you want to talk about? Today was today is Thursday, so I'm gonna start doing this thing called Throwback Thursday. Um, so that's one thing I want to, uh, you know, let my, oh, first off, I want to thank both of you guys for having me a part of this show. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I, you know, this is something that I can always tune into just talking about movies and talking about their experience, talking about, you know, what, what they learn and just overall, uh, just hearing other people talk about movies is, is just awesome. So, you know, I appreciate you guys for doing that. Uh, but yeah, throwback Thursday is something that I'm trying to, um, start doing on my page and I actually want to. Uh, start a review maybe tonight, if not next Thursday, about uh, The Fifth Element, if you guys haven't watched that. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Fifth Element. Um, you know, just overall, the way that the um, digital effects on the, um, you know, obviously they didn't have digital effects back then. So uh, just overall how they were able to do it, like Star Wars, you know, just um, use the models and all effects. that. Exactly. That that was awesome. Um, you know, and I felt like it kind of set the foundation for a lot of different future movies or a lot of different movies that had to do with the future. I'd like to get interactive with my uh, my followers in terms of um, uh, the Rev Addict page. And, uh, you know, if, if, if people that are listening to this right now, if you guys do check out the page, please do not hesitate to give me a comment or please do not hesitate to send me a message about what movie you want me to review. Um, and just overall, like, I love having debates, so if you disagree with me on a movie, please do not hesitate to, you know, don't don't sugarcoat it, because I, I love to have debate on that. He'll tell um, you how wrong you are. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, overall, thank you guys again for having me on the show. Um, this was an amazing experience. Uh, just got to thank you guys for showing me the love and just having me on the show overall. You know, continue. Please, please, please continue downloading our show. Continue uh, making your comments in the iTunes feed on our Instagram page. Uh, the more reviews we can get on iTunes, the better it is. And we really appreciate our growing listenership. Um, I'm I'm very excited that we're starting to see like much greater numbers and and more interaction on our socials. So that's pretty cool uh, for me. Um, and I cannot wait to you know come back again next week and we can talk about a different film. We haven't fully decided what we're doing yet for next week. Uh, but as soon as we do, we will be posting that on the Instagram page. So. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. We know what we're doing next week. <laughs> we're doing the entire Star Wars series. <laughs> we're not doing that. We're not doing that. That's fucking like 12 hours worth of movies. Till, until next week, uh, I'm Angel. And I'm Avi. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. All right, later, turds.